We could get into this weird daddy boss issue. Hannibal straight up asked her. He was like, do you think he wants to have sex with you? And I'm like, yes, Hannibal. Yes, he does. Very obvious. He's <laughs> sending a student to have her career before she's even graduated. What is with people pointing out the obvious? <laughs> movie of truths <laughs> it was like two truths zero lies that's the <laughs> subtitle Welcome back to the Shaking Out Scared Podcast. Here with you as always, your hosts, Eric and BB. Today we're going to be talking about the 1991 film Silence of the Lambs, directed by Jonathan Demme. But before we get into that, who do we have today? Well, I'm super excited because we finally have the lovely Sheree and Trent from Nightmare on Fear Street. How are you yes. guys doing? Great. Thank Dude. you for having us. <laughs> yes. So it's super excited to be here. We love your show and we love your cocktails. So oh. let's <laughs> Get our drink on. Yeah. Do you guys want to tell us a little bit about what's going on over at Fear Street? Yeah. Yeah, we just kicked off our fourth season, which was fun because we're doing exorcisms because it's a new year. <laughs> <laughs> new year, and new we're, me. New year, new me. And we're about to kick off our Thursday Thursdays again, which we haven't done since like October because we're going live with Chucky and we're like, we're not doing all of these. <laughs> so we're going to bring that back as well because it's nice to like sit around drinking with the community. <laughs> We love those. Yeah, we always have a good time when we go on those. <laughs> no, like y'all are good live guests and we have to like fix it so you can get to come on when it's not like high stress and live. <laughs> we chill because we're like, oh my God, bring your cocktails. Come on, let's go. <laughs> what are you up to? Nothing. We are trying to sell this house, so that's going to be fun. <laughs> oh yeah, we have the realtor coming today, so it's going to be a little Ooh. stressful. We got to hide all the gothic and satanic shit. Yeah, all the horror stuff. <laughs> we're normal, we swear. <laughs> personality a couple ghosts here and there right if they don't buy it because of that we don't want them buying this place yeah. <laughs> right. they don't deserve those ghosts. What? <laughs> what have you been up to well i'm finally feeling better i had that stomach bug but it looks like loki picked it up so now i'm stuck waking up early helping him out we're having a great this. week <laughs> <laughs> but on that creepy note what are you guys consuming for creepy content Ooh. weirdly enough i'm working my way through the hannibal series i made it to season three and it's much slower so i'm going much slower but the first two were just like sassy and rude and i like it. <laughs> so they were true to Lecter's actual personality? Oh, yes. Oh, oh yes, yes, yes. Also, the way he plates people is very disturbingly nice. Like, it looks like real food. And I'm like, I'm confused. I'm like, oh, no, no, and now I'm like, oh, no, that's art. Yeah, um, you're like, oh, that looks still, I mean, what? Right? <laughs> never say never. Never say never. <laughs> but yeah, that and I started brand new cherry flavor, but I'm not loving it the way everybody else is yet. I'm early in it, so maybe I will, but it's fine. What's it about? It's about this girl who moves to Hollywood because she wants to be a director and she's sort of taken advantage of. And so she decides to get revenge and she goes to see this woman who may or may not be into some witchcraft, some demonology. It's, <laughs> it's, I, I like it. I don't love it yet, but also I'm like two episodes in. So what do I know? <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, I also started it and had a hard time just like continuing to watch just it wasn't bad but it just didn't capture my attention like right away yeah no i'm used to seeing things that are a little bit more we're gonna get into some shit right here right now and this True. is more like i'm gonna take out a couple more episodes i'm like Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i feel that though because you know we recently covered midsummer and hereditary and those are movies that are just so long that i'm like i get it they're dense doesn't make me uncultured swine i think it just <laughs> makes me like be like all right well you know, it's 2021 20, it. 2022 we need to hurry up a little bit things are fast now <laughs> <laughs> I love Hereditary and I hate Midsummer. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hot take. Yeah, Maybe right. loves that movie. I love everybody both. does. I'm definitely not in the majority on Midsommar because everybody's like, oh my God, I love it. And this and that. And I'm like, it was four hours. <laughs> <laughs> I got sober in a movie theater and I'll never forgive 84. <laughs> what, what about you, Trent? Well, of course, I have been obsessed with the new Scream movie. I'm already planning to see it for a second time. Braving the theaters again. But hopefully there won't be as many people there because like, it's been out for a while now. But yeah, other than that, I've just been watching stuff for the podcast and yeah lots of exorcisms like sure i said <laughs> doing them or watching them <laughs> well you know uh, <laughs> a little of both right right i don't feel like I, well i don't feel like i'm religious enough to perform like <laughs> i think god may be like train i had heard from you in the year, in the year. <laughs> hey if the exorcist taught me anything you don't have to be that religious to you That's know true. That, is true. that is true because he was struggling <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> about you i've been watching i think it's been out for a while but i I think i saw someone tweet about it channel zero it was a show on sci-fi i think and it's basically like creepypastas turn into like series like each season is a different creepypasta is that the one that had mark from parks, parks and rec right? yes he's okay. in the first season <laughs> in uh candle cove is the one i'm watching right now i remember asking you like did you read creepypastas religiously in high school because i did <laughs> which one's your favorite oh my god i will have to get back to you <laughs> There are some that like just stand out that you remember right away is like the Russian sleep experiment. Oh, yeah. Slenderman's obviously the most well-known one. That has its whole issues. <laughs> <laughs> What about you? Shameless plug again. On Patreon, we covered a classic horror story. We won't go too deep into detail. Go hear the episode. But quick take. What did you think of it? It was fun. You think you know what's going to happen and it flips it on you. Yeah, I'd definitely (laughs) say watch till the end. I think the end is what makes the rest of it worth it. Because the whole time we were just trash talking it. And then once you see what happens, you're like, oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. Same. Same. It's one of the movies I almost hit stop on. Because sometimes you're like, you know what I'm not going to do? Waste a full hour and a half. But I was like, I'm going to keep going because I'm drinking. It's fine. And then the ending happened. I'm like, I'm so happy I stayed. Yeah. <laughs> it makes it all worth it. Yeah. The whole time we were just like, what in the midsummer ripoff? <laughs> you get to the end. <laughs> yeah. So go check it out. But what do you guys have for comfort content? Something that's making you feel good, even if it's horror. I've been playing on the Chucky series to go to sleep to because we did deep dives in it already. And the playlist sparks joy. I put the playlist on like maybe four times this week because it's just, it's all bangers. It's like, here's the the music you wish you listened to when you were this age, Sheree. And I'm like, I hear you, Don Mancini. I hear you. <laughs> So my creepy and my comfort are kind of similar with Scream. But also, anyone that knows me knows I love trashy reality television. So <laughs> I've been re-watching all of Survivor. So that's been fun, Ooh. especially going back to like some 2000s BS. But, uh, oh my God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and I also, I love a good medical drama. So I've been watching a bunch of those on Netflix and Hulu as well. That's awesome. Yeah, Survivor has such a huge following, right? People are like almost cults. It's almost a cult. Yeah. It's almost a cult. I haven't joined in on the cult yet, but <laughs> I'm sitting in my forms. No. <laughs> we'll look up next week and try to be midsummer in it. <laughs> I'll be on the island like I vote you out. <laughs> <laughs> Trey, is that a bear behind you? No, it's a blanket. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it's it, Saray. Right? It's a bear. flower crown. Yeah, right? it's just a burning triangle house. Don't worry about it. You don't know who's in there. You'd probably agree with me with who's in there. So it's fine. Don't ask questions. Wouldn't it be the opposite of Survivor? <laughs> so, yeah, when you get voted out, you just die. That's kind of every horror movie. I think we're onto something. <laughs> 
What about you? What do you have for comfort content? Well, I guess we have the same one because you were sick. We <laughs> just stayed up watching Naruto. <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about Naruto for a couple of weeks now. It's but a very long show. Very yeah. long show. <laughs> we're on like episode 170 something. I think there's like 500 in this. So it's going to be a while. <laughs> yeah. That's a commitment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> never agree but we're gonna use commitment today really? <laughs> i'm gonna get jinxed it's because we both have commitment issues <laughs> we're like can we handle 500 episodes i don't know about this nah, we gotta read it. Hey, we're complaining about four hour movies talk about 500 episodes <laughs> that's true yeah. <laughs> comfort content for us by the time this episode comes out i think we'll be in the middle of our bartending class we haven't said anything Ooh. on the show yet but we're going for two weeks every day from monday to thursday yeah be licensed by the first we're gonna professionally get people drunk now yeah then you can really open up the shake and not scared bar i love it it's coming i have always said alamo draft house as the reopening needs to just go ahead and hire you to help them come up with cocktails for these movies because sometimes i try them i'm just like "Mm, shake and not scared could have done better (laughs) thanks thanks so much hey there's like some pretty big gatekeepers in the drinking community so we hope we don't get trashed we just need the horror community behind us that's all we there you go. Yeah. There you go. yeah we're louder and we can spell our hashtags because some of us are sober it's <laughs> a good time <laughs> do you want to tell us about the drink for today i do i'm excited for this one so i just went with a variation of a sex on the beach did hannibal on the beach because i think that's where he is in the end of the movie it's very tropical looking it's very fun so a typical sex on the beach has vodka we don't really like vodka here so i substituted it for a dark rum which i think gives it more flavor i'm okay with vodka eric hates vodka yeah it's why who hurt you <laughs> himself Myself, yeah. a handle of smirnoff not good see i'm worried about the orange of this because like last time i had a screwdriver was an interesting evening <laughs> i think i saw you tweet about that yeah. <laughs> yes it was back when we used cameras for to take pictures not just our phone and like the feature on it that would like stop the camera when it's moving or whatever to take the picture got turned off somehow and so every picture from the night looks like it's from hell (laughs) blurs everywhere (laughs) looks like it's from hell or maybe you went you don't remember oh that could be true that could be true yeah we're talking about exorcisms (laughs) are you guys ready to try it yes i'm excited cheers Ooh. I like it. I like it. So do I. Cranberry handles the orange a lot better than I thought it would. People don't know to mix orange and cranberry, so I was really happy to see these ingredients. Because <laughs> people are like, one or the other. And I was like, put it outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> I have to see both and also like I yeah it's refreshing it's a new favorite beverage drink I think that I could like slam these while we're like <laughs> brunching about it and talking about it and then be like oh yeah I forgot to eat this food microwave it with another oh, drink yeah, now I'm wasting it <laughs> <laughs> slamming these might be a little dangerous <laughs> we all have hobbies it's fine <laughs> I really liked it. Like I was nervous about the orange, but the cranberry mixes well with it, so it's not too orangey. And I, I'm a vodka person, so but I don't, I don't miss it. The the, the dark <laughs> rum works for this. It does kind of give it a fuller taste than a normal Sex on the Beach would be. I actually really liked it. I think we've said before we don't taste these before we come on here, so they're always a gamble. But <laughs> I would drink this on the beach while trying to hunt down my therapist. That was awful. <laughs> eating people. That's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perfect drink for that it's yeah a medium yeah. rare steak Ooh. extra rare <laughs> five of beans 
<laughs> what about you? I actually get worried when I see juices, multiple juices at that. But no, this is good. I would definitely drink this on the beach while hunting down and eating some raw steak. Sushi steak. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it's good for that because you're getting so many vitamins from the cranberry and the orange juice. It's a healthy drink. Sure, we're drinking healthy today. <laughs> it's basically a fruit salad. <laughs> right. But what would you guys rate it out of five? I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it a five, but also I did mess it up because... <laughs> <laughs> is not my friend. What did you mess up? What do you have in there that's different? So I thought the vending machines would have cranberry and orange juice, but they only have cranberry. So I had to rely on this seltzer water, which is blood orange and orange juice. Oh, oh no. You can't even see it. Boom. Trader Joe's. That's good. Um, so it's a little bit different, but like I want to get like actual orange juice to try it with it. Yeah, and then you'll have to let us know what your updated stat is. Oh, I'm going to the Target either today or tomorrow. So you'll get a full report. <laughs> <laughs> I want the write up in the morning. <laughs> First thing, slam that drink. Let us know. I'm on With deadline. Your breakfast. <laughs> Don't let us know who you ate, though. I have a list of enemies. I'm a Gemini. So like <laughs> all right. Well, while you all sip on that drink, are you guys ready for some fun facts? I'm ready. I'm excited. So after the film Manhunter in 1986 did horribly at the box office, the rights to use Hannibal Lecter's character from the book Red Dragon by Thomas Harris were given away for free. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Martha and Dino De Laurentiis, I'm assuming that's how you say it, who owned the rights quickly regretted it. According to the numbers I saw, that film made $8.7 million. Manhunter. This film made $131 million and won five Oscars, Best Picture, Actor, Actress, Director, and Screenplay. Way to fumble the bag. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. Director Jonathan Demme wanted Michelle Pfeiffer to play the role of Clarice Starling and apparently didn't like Jodie Foster's Boston accent. Jodie Foster is perfect in this role. Uh, her and Anthony Hopkins are just are perfect. I love them both. Hear me out. I like Jody, but also now that I know Michelle was on the table, I wonder what it would have been like because Michelle can also deliver what she wants to. That's true. No, yeah, no shade to Michelle. I just, I, it's probably because I've just seen Jody in this role, so it's hard for me to like, it's kind of like envisioning someone other than Nev Campbell as Sydney Prescott. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. no, that you're is You're a stanner. You're a stanner because you're a Taurus. And so you're like, that's the way it is. And you're like, but also, we're just saying hypothetically, and, and I, no. I do feel like Michelle Pfeiffer could have brought a sweeter vibe to her I think I don't know did you not see her play Catwoman what are you not a child of the 90s I am a gay man have I seen her play <laughs> ga- Catwoman <laughs> I've seen every performance of Catwoman ever made <laughs> do not disrespect Michelle Pfeiffer on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> like I said no shade to her I just feel like I love Jodie Plus, she's my lesbian sister, so I have to. I haven't seen the sequels, but I heard she gets switched, right? She doesn't come back. I forgot her name. Oh my God, she's the redhead. She's like Meryl Streep adjacent almost. Julianne Moore. Yes. Yes. yes, yes. Who's an amazing actor, but like those sequels were not great. I I think I told you when we were watching this, like on Clubhouse, I watched the first one and a half of the Hannibal Side of the Lamb movies. I went to sleep in the middle of the second one, and it's not Julianne's fault. (laughs) It's just that I was like, oh, we're getting drier not we're getting spicier and that's why I put off watching Hannibal for so long also I was a child so like before people like find me I was a kid and I was like so I'm really fine. let's see what the next one's gonna do and I was like oh mm, I'm gonna take a nap and so <laughs> Maybe as an adult, I'll be like, okay, I see things that were subtle. But I think that Signs of the Lambs and this skip to the series of Hannibal is probably for the best because it's a prequel anyways, the series. Oh, gotcha. So apparently Michelle Pfeiffer didn't want the role, so they did consider her, but she thought that the film was too dark. Other actors who thought the film was too dark and rejected roles were Meg Ryan, Sean Connery, and Daniel Day-Lewis. Interesting. I'm glad Daniel Day-Lewis? Day-Lewis? <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis thought this was too dark? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry. When I saw Sean Connery, I was kind of like, I can't imagine Hannibal being like, with that fucking accent. <laughs> I'm having a friend for lunch today. Yes, don't screaming, Clarice. <laughs> No, I do. I do think this movie got the casting right with Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster. Oh like, yeah, and their chemistry together is just dynamic. I love it. Anthony's the creepy uncle, and like he understands that assignment. I would be interested in seeing how other people read the role, especially now that I've seen like the show, and I can see Hannibal could be hot. <laughs> sure. Um, I but also I'm fine with the way my uncle did it. Yeah. <laughs> He definitely takes in the role that I'm a psychiatrist, that I can analyze you and make you like me, and you won't even know it. He steals the show. You don't even give a fuck about Buffalo Bill at some point, because you're like, let's go back to Hannibal. (laughs) This movie is like, what, two hours and something long, and he's only got like 16, 20 minutes in there? I forgot about Buffalo Bill every time. And like, one of my friends will bring it up, so like, that movie in the way creepy portrayed it, I'm like, oh yeah! Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I forgot about that whole plot, which was the main story. You were right. Which is really (laughs) interesting, because the series is very queer-coded. And I'm just like, are you trying to make up for this? Like, <laughs> yeah, they are. They were like, nobody wants a procedural anymore. Let's gotta make it. We gotta make it queer. Okay. <laughs> we get Will and Hannibal running around eating these like weird people dinners. <laughs> and will they or won't they? <laughs> it's the only romance I'm involved in. <laughs> Jodie Foster's involvement in the film runs a little deeper than you'd think. Before the film rights for the book were taken, Jodie tried to buy the rights herself and had to settle for playing Clarice. She also made sure that the portrayal of the FBI was accurate after being helped deal with some death threats made against her. The FBI loved this too, seeing it as a way to recruit more female agents. I did notice. I love that she's not the only female agent. There are other, like, you know what I mean? She's not like the token. There are other women in her class and in her friend group. I will say, they need to give Maps more credit though. (laughs) Yeah. She helped a way more than they let on. <laughs> yes. No, because speaking of tokens, I saw Cassie Lemons, who went on to like direct and write Ease Bayou as the standard, I have a black friend who has three scenes. True. And right. I was like, really? Really? But whatever. It was the 90s. And so I have to like pick my battles with today's people. Yeah, this movie is weird because when you watch it from that lens, yeah, it shows how weird it is to be a woman in the FBI. But also, I don't know if you guys noticed, I don't know if this is on purpose, but every time they sent an FBI agent into open a door do the most dangerous thing it was a black guy yeah yeah it was yeah it was <laughs> I, I was like, like huh. hmm. <laughs> it's gotta yeah. be this is too obvious it can't be coincidence right? <laughs> I I had minute thoughts <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like huh tell me how you really feel <laughs> right like well we're doing better by casting right (laughs) and i'm like are you we have one agenda at a time we're saying that women can be in the fbi (laughs) we're focusing on women this time we'll do black people next movie it's you and the other one (laughs) wait your turn everybody (laughs) the scene where buffalo bill dances is in the book but was not originally going to be in the film and was included after actor ted levine insisted it would help the viewers understand the quote pain and twisted psychology of the character no no just disagree. Yeah, we've always pointed out in horror movies that it's weird that you would use this as a gimmick to say this is what makes them scary. Or crazy or like off-hedged or whatever. And it's like, clearly this man, the character was slightly based off Ed Gein, right? Mm-hmm. Ed Gein had no queer tendencies that I know of anyways. I'm not an Ed Geenologist if, if anyone wants to correct me, <laughs> let me know. But like he didn't want to be, he wasn't trans-identified or anything. So why add that 
to it. Like, why not just have him make skin suits? Like, that's creepy enough. One of my issues is that we all know that, like, usually the hit list for the FBI for serial killers is what people are matching with on Bumble. It's your straight cis white men. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, I don't buy that he would be a serial killer. And you haven't earned it. You haven't given me why. Like, as a kid, I remember having questions. So I was like, where is his junk? Because nobody in my house knew how to tuck. And so they were like, don't ask questions. Stop being weird. Maybe you should watch Maya and the Bee, Sheree. And I'm like, I don't watch Maya the Bee. I want you to answer my fucking question. <laughs> but that's Isaac away from that dance. And so that dance doesn't really do a whole lot other than give him some weird shit to be quoted for. Yeah, and it becomes like one of the iconic scenes of this film that people remember most, yes. unfortunately. Yeah, it's awkward. It's very awkward. It's very but awkward. also, the 90s were an awkward time. <laughs> I think I saw an interview with Ted Levine saying that it was to show he was this like glitter rock character who was a lot like, I think he said David Bowie, Iggy Pop, and was an androgynous character that had both female and male energy that gave them power. And I was like, look, I could see why Ted Levine was saying this. I don't know if it's necessarily the right way to explain there was other ways that you could have done that so many other ways so many (laughs) (laughs) one of if not the most memorable characters of this film is Hannibal Lecter winning Anthony Hopkins best actor at the Oscars making this role iconic though took some research he asked to wear white so that viewers would feel that same unsettling feeling when they see a doctor or a dentist he took inspiration from a friend who never blinked oh my god He even went to a few prisons and sat in on court hearings related to serial killings. Other actors who did the same thing included Scott Glenn, who plays Crawford. He listened to tapes of women being tortured and killed, and that's actually one of the reasons he didn't return, because he said he's still haunted to this day by those tapes. He went a little hard in the method acting. Yeah, yeah. method acting yeah. is not good, y'all. It's not It's <laughs> no. not a good thing. You hear us, Joaquin Phoenix? Do you hear us? <laughs> Do you, please. Ooh. Jared Leto, stop. Oh, he's oh. the first one that needs to stop. When Viola Davis is like, he's an asshole. <laughs> you know you crossed a line because Viola's like, I'm fine with everybody. It's just like everybody but him. <laughs> <laughs> Truly. And then the other one was Ted Levine, who read profiles of serial killers. I feel like we trash talked him in the last one, so it's kind of less impressive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's not his, it's not his performance that I have a huge issue with. It's just the character. It's like why, why, why? I don't know. I think that yeah, it was written away and yeah, it was directed away. But I also think that, and again, I don't know where he was in his career because I was an infant. <laughs> but I think that as actors, you sometimes have to be like, is this offensive? Yeah, <laughs> before yeah, you do totally. it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Especially if you're like established, like you know, yeah. you can say no to things. Right. If he can suggest, let's include the dance. I'm sure he could have suggested some other things. Right? Like, I, I'm sure he could have been like, what if we don't? <laughs> <laughs> well, and if you wanted to be kind of like a David Bowie glam rock serial killer, okay, that's fine, but don't have him, like, tuck his junk and then, like, try to be, a, like, only only attack women. Like, I don't know. There are ways to do it that aren't this and that could have been successful, but this is just all... It's yeah. a very 90s view. Yes. Yeah. How about ask a queer person? Hey, <laughs> if you were going to be a serial killer, how would you do this? If you could listen to women being tortured and killed, you could ask a queer person how this character would be. I think again that this movie had he just been your regular degular straight cis white man it would be scary because it would be more accurate because yeah. <laughs> again like if you get on Bumble those are your serial killers let's be honest y'all like it's a reason why when we got on dates we're like here's what I met here's what he looks like here's the last time I used my phone because like we've all seen enough criminal minds like usually it's the reeds who are hot like it's the reeds that are doing the murdering like <laughs> 9 out of 10 I will not be murdered by a person who is queer <laughs> <laughs> and then 
that's it. It's gonna be it's gonna be his brother who is unpacking a lot of things and hates women. <laughs> well, we're avoiding the inevitable. Trent, are you ready for a speed run? Oh, oh yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna Good do luck. my best. Hopefully I don't leave anything out. Three, two, one, go. Okay, so at the top of the movie, we meet Clary Starling. She's training. She gets called into her supervisor's office. He tells her that he needs she needs to go meet with Hannibal Lecter to try and solve this, mur- this serial killer murder case. So she goes and meets him. It's really uncomfortable. She's going to talk about her vagina, which is weird. And he tells her that he basically knows who the killer is, but he won't tell her. He gives her this hint that she goes to the storage locker. She gets in there. She finds this dead head in a jar she goes back and then she's talking to him again and they figure out he says if you give me a new cell a new place with a view i will tell you uh who the killer is and so they uh they transfer him he kills some cops she uh he escapes she uh, finds, she goes back to the original, I'm probably dead, but she <laughs> goes back to the original uh, murder case and finds out that she knew him, worked uh, for... Done. <laughs> I was all close! You're doing really good. Act. I was in the final act. <laughs> yeah, seeing those last 20 seconds definitely was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh man well that's all right grab your drink. oh yeah i'm just gonna take a big gulp bottoms up cheers i just put more drink in a shot glass honestly that's how beyonce gets shit done never change never mine change. was mostly rum so that helped <laughs> what does the internet say this movie's about this is what imdb has to say for it it's rated pretty high actually at an 8.6 probably the highest we've seen for the thriller horror genre jodie foster stars as clarice starling a top student at the fbi training academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath, serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have some insight into a case and that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be able to bait it out of him. No mention of Buffalo Bill. <laughs> the entire synopsis is about Hannibal. <laughs> I think that's what people remember, which is why they're like, oh, it's a great movie. That and I feel like a lot of people just don't like to talk about the problematic things that they like but you have to because everything's pretty much problematic at this point <laughs> so you have to be like i live for buffy but whedon's a garbage fan oh yeah <laughs> he's so garbage he did a whole essay <laughs> about how garbage he was yeah he's like in case you missed it i'm trash he said y'all think you know but you have no idea let me write you a whole essay about it right. <laughs> they told you i was a problem but let me tell you because nobody speaks for me <laughs> So on first watch, because we watched it last week with Jazz and Sheree, I had missed a shit ton of stuff. So like even with the comment on Bill not even being mentioned in the synopsis, I watched it and was asking questions like, isn't anyone going to ask where Hannibal is? While they're still talking about Buffalo Bill, I'm like, I don't give a shit about that. Where's Hannibal? Why is no one going and looking for Hannibal? Fun fact on the side. Apparently they got inspiration from something that happened with Ted Bundy in real life. There was some officer who was investigating a murder and they asked Ted Bundy for help to find the killer and they did. Isn't that what like the show Mindhunter is about? It's about the beginning of serial killer like the the term serial killers and like how they catch them and stuff I will say that every time I see another FBI movie show where they have to ask a serial killer or a cannibal to help them solve a crime, I wonder what the taxpayer dollars are really doing. <laughs> We're not training them, apparently, to have to turn to criminals for help to find criminals. Like, <laughs> just ask a criminal. Stop paying the FBI. Just be like, hey, you're still in shit. How do I find so-and-so? 
I feel like at this point in time, you could just ask a white woman with a true crime podcast and she might be able to help you find them faster. (laughs) All right, well then let's dive into it. We start off in the woods in Virginia. Clarice Starling is out for a jog running through an obstacle course. She's stopped and told that Crawford wants to see her in his office. She's still in the FBI Academy. When she gets to his office, there's a board covered in newspaper clippings and evidence related to killings done by Buffalo Bill. Crawford shows up and says he's got a job for her. He wants her to work in behavioral science with him. And the subject is Hannibal Lecter. It's all right if he doesn't cooperate, but they just want to know what he's up to. What's he drawing? What's he painting? What's he talking about? What's he reading? Give him a dossier and give him a survey. Clarice asks why the sudden urgency since Lecter has been locked up for years. Crawford just tells her to be careful, follow procedure, and don't let him get in your head. This first scene where she's running through the woods is like a 10 minute open credit scene. (laughs) I know. We paused and it was like 15 minutes in. I was like, we haven't done anything. No. she lobbied for that because like Jody was like I don't like this original opening where I'm busting up like people doing crime in a house we've seen this so many times it's something different and so now we have a white woman running through the woods <laughs> which also we've seen 90 billion times <laughs> <laughs> kind of makes me rethink her whole I want to make the FBI look good in this movie because it's like let's make the FBI look good look at them training if anything I would be like mm, that's a lot of work I'm not joining the FBI <laughs> it's too much physical <laughs> right it's like I don't believe in running like that's not my ministry so I can't do it She's super smart, though, because she's like, why the sudden urgency to interview him? She's kind of not believing Crawford's like shit about, oh, we just want a survey. She is a student and you are saying her talk to a cannibal. (laughs) (laughs) It don't feel right. And I'm happy that that we get back to why it's not right, because he was like (laughs) gaslighting her the whole time. (laughs) He's like, I couldn't send you in there with the truth. He would know. And I'm like, but you should send her in there with the truth. She's a cannibal. (laughs) Yeah. And I love that his response when she says, why are we doing this? Just make sure you follow the the rules and don't let him in your head okay what? okay thanks i guess i didn't like it <laughs> he's the real villain here <laughs> right i don't like their relationship it's super weird that awkward little your dad would be proud of you at the end of the film why have we talked about her dad at all only with Hannibal, but I'm sure that her boss knows it's the FBI, and so they've asked some other criminal to help figure out what her story is. He's using that against her, and I'm just like, don't use her dead dad to get into her pants. I, no, no. It's like this whole weird balance of power thing, right? Like, essentially he's her boss. (laughs) You shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, sexual harassment. (laughs) Seriously? (laughs) Yeah, talking about quid pro quo. Like, I know we're solving a murder, but also. (laughs) 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 We have time for everything here. We're the FBI. The criminal solved the crimes for us. <laughs> the taxpayers would want me to hit on you. They're paying for this, actually. <laughs> Very Josh Whedon energy. I have to do it. I had to. I had no oh choice. Oh my god. The next scene we get is her arriving at the prison where we are introduced to Dr. Chilton who says that Lecter is his most prized asset. He also makes some creepy comments and hits on Clarice because everyone that she interacts with hits on her. He says that they sent a pretty girl because that's what Lecter is into. They walk through the prison as they give Clarice all the precautions and tell her some stories about how Lecter has acted in the past. He wants fake chest pains to eat a nurse's face and his heart rate never rose above 85, including when he ate her tongue. Clarice tells Chilton, I hate this name, (laughs) she's going in alone and annoyed Chilton leaves. Barney, the orderly, who is very sweet actually, and I find funny that Lecter is like really polite to him, (laughs) tells Clarice that a chair is set up for her at the end of the hall and that Lecter is the last one, but to ignore all the other prisoners and stay to the right as she makes her way over. I guess this is foreshadowing for Migs. Yeah, I wonder if he's done this before. And that's uh, why they're just like, yeah, probably just stay by the wall because he just likes throwing it like a monkey with their poop. This scene. <laughs> that's... Mm. I, I, I've quit jobs for less. I said this when we were watching it, and I'm going to say it again. I've quit jobs for less. Just so we're clear. I hate how accurate they made it look. 
Like we've seen so many other things look so shitty and fake, but they were like, no, we need no, to no, really go this. hard on how this looks. We really need to make it as real as possible. We might as well have someone actually do it. I was like, this is where you go all out. Like Buffalo Bill has a basement that never ends. And we don't talk about like believability in down there. But like this is what we're going to focus on. We're going to get all eyes on this to make sure it's right. You focus on what you know. Clarice is nervous as she walks through and gets harassed by the other inmates. One named Miggs tells her he can smell her cunt. We come upon Hannibal Lecter who's standing in the center of his cell behind glass not bars Lecter asks what Migs told her and she tells him he says he can't smell it he sniffs the air and tells her he can smell what she's wearing though Clarice asks about his paintings on the wall and if he was able to do it from memory he says he has no view memory is all he has she takes this opportunity to ask him to lend his view for the survey and he's immediately disappointed and is like no 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 we were doing so well <laughs> He asks about Buffalo Bill and why they call him that, saying that he genuinely wants to know. The newspapers aren't saying why. She says it started as a joke in Kansas City because he likes to skin his humps. Lecter asks why he skins them, and Clarice says maybe he likes to keep trophies. Lecter responds, I didn't. And she quickly says, well, that's because you fucking ate him. <laughs> <laughs> I like how like snappy they are with each Their other. Their interactions are amazing. Yes. They're so passive aggressive, but polite at the same time. It's fucking weird. I don't think that's how they interacted at like the craft service table. <laughs> Just, like... I wonder if they stayed in character the whole time yeah. just roasting each other like even today when they call you for projects it's just like hello Anthony hello Clarice <laughs> you and your cheap bag and your nice shoes you bitch I'm just like how dare you <laughs> watch you eat another person you asshole right right <laughs> <laughs> There was a moment in that scene where uh, Anthony Hopkins, at the beginning, he's kind of standing away from the glass and he steps forward at one point and like he goes through a shadow and comes out the other side. It's genuinely creepy as fuck. Just the way the light hits his face and like, oh, I was like, this is creepy. I don't like this. He feels like a character that was pulled out of time, right? Like he seems yeah. like a very old school type of villain from those old movies. Like Even the way he talks. Villain. <laughs> yeah, it adds so much to his character. It's something I really like about him. I think something, I don't know if this was done on purpose, but I noticed a lot is whenever he spoke, the camera was right on his face. I don't know if it was to make the viewer feel uncomfortable, like this killer is staring at you all the time, but I noticed that a lot. I think I saw that the director wanted to give the effect that he knows everything. I think when you do get the first view of him, he's actually looking directly at the camera, which adds that like, I know you're there. He's sort of the kind of villain that like is unsettling because like he's right into your soul and has nothing to lose so he's gonna tell the bitch that she has like a nice bag and cheap shoes like I saw you at Payless in my mind (laughs) (laughs) and he reminds me of like Storm of the Century I forgot the name of the character but he ends up being Legion but he's here to like snatch the kid and like cause all this havoc but I feel like that man was off the side of the lamb was like Anthony Hopkins did this taking notes before they started (laughs) recording that whole miniseries because it's the same kind of creepy you're just dropping truths in a weird (laughs) cadence what is this so catty yeah (laughs) As a child, I did not know that was my first time truly experiencing shade on TV. Um, now, as an adult, I'm like, that's when it happened. That was it. That was my villain origin story. <laughs> that's my whole personality. Thank you, Mr. Hopkins. <laughs> But he is visibly angry about being handed this survey. And he mentions to Clarice that a census taker once tried to test him and he ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice shanty. We actually looked up this drink and thought about making it for today, but it was very similar to stuff we've done in the past. I was a census taker once. That's all I'm gonna oh, say. no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did you ever meet a Lecter type character? People wouldn't answer their doors because I did it in Kansas City and they were like, send her into the lower income houses. And so people were like, no, I have a dog. Go the fuck away, bitch. And I'm like, I'll make it up. Thank you. (laughs) White male. (laughs) Serial killer. Right? At least four of them. Don't trust. (laughs) He then hisses at Clarice and she walks off angrily. As she's walking off, the other inmates are going wild. Migs is jerking off and throws cum directly in her face. Hannibal is disgusted. Yeah, it sounds like an insult. (laughs) (laughs) I have quit jobs for less. I just want to keep saying that. She's only a student. Oh my God. The worst part is it hits her right in the face. Right in the eye. (laughs) I wouldn't graduate. I would be like, he straight up threw come in my face. I'm done. (laughs) I am suing the FBI for (laughs) Right? I'm going to start arts and crafting. So I'm going to (laughs) do... How many credits will transfer? (laughs) Hannibal is equally disgusted by this and calls her back. He decides to help her out, giving her what she wants most, advancement, and tells her to talk to Miss Moffat, an old patient of his. He then tells her to leave before Miggs finishes again. (laughs) Disgusting. He might be crazy, but he can't do it fast enough. (laughs) What? (laughs) Thanks, Hannibal. Have you counted before? He's got nothing else to do. (laughs) It's like, I put on his favorite movie today. You should run, Clarice. Clarice is distraught by what happened and we see her failing in different fields at the academy. Was this to imply that like it affected her? I think all this, the interaction with Hannibal, the thing being thrown at her just like threw her off her game. The thing. I also the thing. would tap out. I... <laughs> How do you get a coffee with that shit? It's just like, oh yeah, I got a D on my paper. Oh, I failed this one training. He threw semen in my face <laughs> and a cannibal told me that my shoes were cheap. <laughs> That's a lot to unpack. Right? Right? It's just like, give her an A and let her go. (laughs) I don't know if they have to write theses, but if the teacher had to read these and everyone else's paper is pretty spot on with what's going on and then they had to read hers and they don't know what's happening in the background. Like, oh my gosh. (laughs) I would go straight to her boss and be like, you you sent her where? And what happened to her? I'm shutting this whole operation down. <laughs> Listen, I, think... I know you have a creepy crush on her, but that's still not okay. <laughs> there are other ways to flirt. <laughs> just, just give her the bat. How is this flirting? I'm going to send you to a cannibal. <laughs> Hot. <laughs> right? You'll thank me. <laughs> and he's going to tell you what you smell like. I haven't seen the best girls to the cannibal. What? <laughs> that's true, because Crawford has sent people here before, so he has to know that this has happened. Possibly. And he's like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. They all come back ready. <laughs> Right. Later when he makes that comment, like, if I had told you, he would have known and he would have turned to stone. He was talking about the semen throwing. <laughs> Not even about Hannibal. If I had told you, you wouldn't have gone. And now you went, so we can hang out some more. And that's what I really wanted. <laughs> oh, my God. Clarice is distraught, and we see her failing in different fields at the academy. She gets a call and finds out that Miggs died swallowing his own tongue after Lecter was seen whispering things into his cell. What the hell did he whisper to him? Seriously. Clarice mentioned she had no luck finding a Moffat since Lecter destroyed all of his patient history when he was convicted. But she took a clue that led her to look into a storage unit. She goes to the unit and after struggling to open the door, she slides underneath, cutting herself on a nail in the process. And she finds a hearse with a dress, but also a jar with a head inside wearing makeup. This is the most goth storage unit I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) It's also huge. It has a hearse in it and like (laughs) a swing set, I think. Like 
jars of things. I don't know. I'm going to start asking where are these storage units where you can park a car in it? Because I'm always like, here's a little cute cubicle. It's like a dorm size shit. I can put four boxes in it and hope for the best. <laughs> and these bitches have cars and they have whole living rooms. And I'm just like, I'm not in the right cities for storage <laughs> I'm waiting for the day that those shows where they open up the storage units, what's it called? Oh, Storage Wars. Storage Wars, <laughs> where they open one up and find something like this in there. A dead body. You know those are the episodes that they have not aired. They're like, oh yeah, we're going to get in here. And oh no. We got to stop filming. <laughs> Send the crew home. Nobody saw anything. (laughs) (laughs) But after this discovery, Clarice goes back to Lecter, kind of upset that he sent her off, saying that Hester Moffat was an anagram, meaning the rest of me. He comments on the cut that she had, saying that, oh, you've stopped bleeding. She's like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Lecter then tells her who the victim was, Benjamin Raspail, who had a romantic attachment to the figure that he believes is Buffalo Bill. He says that his attachments are rather exotic. This is weird. It didn't age well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, they're two men. They must be very exotic. It's so exotic. Yeah, I think we mentioned it on other shows. We're tired of the queer, the abnormal being the scary. And this was like 91, so. Right. It was not a great decade for representation. Yeah, well, and the people that were scared of this, I, I would hate to see them watch Will and Grace. They'd be like, oh my God! Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Which right. is funny, because Clarice and Hannibal have a very Will and Grace back and forth <laughs> online situation. <laughs> I'm like, is this Jack and Kieran? I'm into this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, because in this scene, doesn't he? She comes in because it's been raining and she's like soaking wet and he shoves a towel at her or whatever. <laughs> He's yeah. so polite, but not at the same time. <laughs> Right? <laughs> He's like the Sheldon of murder. He is. He's like, they call me eating people. I'm going to rot here or I'm going to break out. Those are my options. <laughs> what we do in the meantime, we don't have cable here. <laughs> so it's fine. But Hannibal swears that he did not kill this victim. She asks if he was a transvestite because the corpse was covered in makeup. And he says, no, the killer did that. It was like his first attempt at a transformation. Then she notes how all his paintings are gone. And he says that Chilton has this weird form of punishing him because gospel TV is being played at full volume as soon as she leaves. (laughs) Interesting punishment. (laughs) Right. And I actually like that during this scene I had to pause and like on Prime you know how it lists lists who the televangelist is (laughs) on the TV. I was like I didn't notice this character same thing. He asks if Buffalo Bill has killed Gen and tells her that he'll help her catch him. He says he's probably already searching for his next victim. Yeah, he also comments on how he wants a view. This is the first inkling that we get from Clarice thinking about, well, what can I use to get Hannibal to talk to us? Yeah, and like, I, I do I do like this movie overall, but I think that one of the weakest points as a plot and as just an overall film is that you forget about the main plot line. Like, I, who, are, who are Buffalo Bill's victims? besides the one girl we see he kidnapped which we haven't gotten there yet but we see her and then we kind of get a glimpse into his first victim it just you don't ever get invested into the main storyline i want <laughs> yeah. a different movie i feel like it fails in the way a lot of the older horror movies we love fails in that it is just so focused on catering to like suburban white people that it forgets about the rest of us <laughs> which is why we forget about buffalo bill because like we were babies and we're just like hannibal's fun 
Ben and he like reads Clarice and the library is fucking open. And he's like, oh yeah, there were women in Wales. Oh shit, I forgot about that. Let me go and pack that again. Right. <laughs> and like you have Casey Lemons again as like the black best friend who has like three scenes and is underutilized, much like Rachel True in The Craft. And so I think that if we could just like remodel this and like decenter white, straight, cis suburbanites, there's a lot of fun to be had with this kind of a plot. And I think that like Hannibal the series gets closer because I mean like we do have Lawrence Fishburne who is doing things and we do have like some queerness but it could also still be much more better about not centering mostly white people um, as most TV could be but we keep not doing that because Hollywood is three white dudes in a trench coat so we keep keep failing from even start. Do you think that the same way that they were trying to make Hannibal cunning they were trying to be cunning in the way that they presented the information to the viewer and say like Uh, it's all super choppy because that's how this case is it's all choppy so let's confuse the viewer too and put them in Clarice's shoes it just doesn't add the value because it does keep you out of everything you're suddenly thrown into something again you're like oh shit they don't fledge him out as a character if you're gonna put me in her cheap shoes put me in her cheap shoes but also (laughs) give her more to go off of because so many people are lying to her and not giving her the truth and she's again like a student and so you don't expect her to know everything but also like she is Jodie Foster and so it's hard to be like oh yeah I'm fine with Jodie Foster what (laughs) (laughs) well and you know like it's sad that the most intense part of this film for me anyway is when Hannibal escapes yes that is the scene scariest scene it's scarier than the climax with Clarice in the basement with Buffalo Bill yeah once Hannibal escapes the movie's really over for me everything else is just like oh we have to finish this that's right well hurry up yeah where's Hannibal (laughs) yeah you're right it's obvious they wanted a movie about Hannibal Lecter and just threw this other story on there just the way they kill Buffalo Bill even is like oh yeah it happened and that's it (laughs) that's one of my biggest issues with the way that some people adapt things is because they know what drew them to this book or this comic book or whatever it is they want to adapt they knew what drew them in and instead of them going I'm here because of this one character they're like let me try and stay true to the source material and so we have like an eight hour movie and nobody wants it (laughs) come to 15 minutes where we're all like yeah (laughs) and if that's what's happening just go ahead and be like we don't need most of this shit like I'm here for this character let's follow this character let's give this character more to do let's have it just focus here as opposed to being like well the book did this I have to honor that just don't if you're gonna adapt adapt don't be like I don't want to upset him (laughs) he sold the rights or he gave them away in this case he literally gave them away which is petty and I feel like there's more to that story and I want it like you just give your rights away like who does that like this was co-written with a partner or something and it's like you know what fuck this divorce and fuck your story That's what I'm picking up from that story. (laughs) However, the next scene we get is a girl driving while jamming to the radio. She gets home to her apartment complex and sees a man struggling audibly, trying to get a couch into his huge van. So many red flags in this scene. Could never be me. He has a broken arm, quote unquote, and she kind of hesitates at first, but decides to help him out. Mistake. The other mistake she makes is being the one that grabs the end of the couch that's being pushed into the van. (laughs) This scene is like, fine, you think she's going to be okay, but then Buffalo Bill asks her if she's a size 14. What? <laughs> this film is very fat phobic, by the way. It is. Yes. It's yes. another... Mm. <laughs> Again, we had to be nice to women, but everyone else, good luck. Well, <laughs> they weren't nice to women here. Nice to women up to size 10. <laughs> Everybody else, obese will. And it's like, what? Why? Why would you say that to her? <laughs> 
He ends up beating her up and pushing her further into his van. While she's knocked out, he cuts her clothes and examines her skin while making sure that she is a size 14. I told Eric like, oh, that was a signature Ted Bundy move. He would pretend to have a broken arm, a broken leg so that people would feel the need to help him and then attack them. And that's why people think I'm a bitch because I don't trust anybody. I'm from Missouri. <laughs> so I'm like, oh yeah, broken leg my ass. No, no, no. I'm not helping you. What? <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I'm like, well, you probably broke that leg doing something you were supposed to be doing in the first place. So. <laughs> I don't pretend to be on my phone to avoid helping people I don't know. Like, right. I'm just like, yeah. I see a couch. Mm. And also, when she had, okay, like, she acted like as soon as she picked up that side of the couch, well, this is the only side of the couch that could go into the van that way. We couldn't, like, she could have easily just like, no, sir, you're going to go in. I'm not going in your van. Like, yeah. my cat's you, waiting for me upstairs. I yeah. got to go. Yeah. <laughs> She's way too trusting in the middle of the night with a man with a supposedly broken arm. Um, right. Yeah. As a 90s kid, Stranger Danger was drilled into me. Also, I'm from Missouri. People who like me go missing all the fucking time i'm not helping anybody literally if i don't know you and some people i do know i still wouldn't help in the middle of the night because i'm just like you seem shady i trust you but it's nighttime so suddenly i don't, I don't trust, trust anyone at nighttime <laughs> sorry if it was the daylight and they have four witnesses fine i will get my roommate to come down and there'll be two of us to one of you and it'll be okay right actually so this scene reminded me of something that i did when i first moved in here oh, you're I, so nice i could have died so <laughs> Eric did yeah. this. He helped a neighbor move in a couch. I did, but no, and no. I had never, I had never met her in my life. It was this like skinny, tiny lady. I was like, "There's no way she could." How they me. get you? <laughs> Have you not seen Bride of Chucky? You don't trust your neighbor, ladies. <laughs> when I look back on it, I'm like, "This shit didn't make sense." But you know, I didn't die. Obviously, I was outside fixing something on my truck, and she's with a U-Haul truck with this giant, like, three-seat couch, like those bulky-ass grandma ones, on the back of the U-Haul by herself. Like she didn't come with anybody, so she drives up to the back door. I think she lived on the fifth floor oh jesus christ she was gonna take this off the u-haul and take it up to the fifth floor herself like why wouldn't she have brought help ma'am hire movers so she comes out to me in the parking lot and is like hey can you help me bring this couch upstairs and i'm like between you and me like she's tiny like this well, lady yeah, was really you, tiny you, you, you want me to do this for you right, <laughs> right. so i'm like ah, i mean okay she's older too so i think that's probably why i trusted her more you're like i could take her and there's this like weird neighbor we have who we have suspicious neighbors yeah that's all he, we'll say. he's always looking out for the cops he comes out and is asking me like what do you doing and i was like well this lady needs help so he's like i'll help you you were so gonna get murdered us, by these two people yeah, he's a white guy too so yeah oh, the no. two of us, <laughs> the single white male no. <laughs> he came in like on cue too when i was about to help this lady so it didn't seem all suspicious but we ended up taking it we walked all the way into her place and put the couch down and then yeah i could have died no i would never she would still be there if it was yeah. waiting <laughs> yeah she would come up to me and say hey can you help me do this and i would have been like ma'am you should have planned better <laughs> i think what's worse is i've seen her in the hall since then and she never says hi. I said hi to her like the first time I saw her after that, thinking maybe she was going to remember I helped her. She acted like I didn't exist. Oh, she Mexican. wears, yeah, right. <laughs> a brown person. I used to work at Lyric Opera in Chicago, and the old wealthier people are trash. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, no, I would definitely not be helping her for various reasons. <laughs> I Listen, <laughs> I am 5'1". No one better be asking me for help. I'm gonna be like, what the fuck do you want me to do? <laughs> I could encourage you, but I'm not helping you with it. <laughs> I don't have upper body strength. No. <laughs> it looks hard. No. Suddenly my arm hurts. Fuck. Right? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm drunk and I have paper cuts. No. <laughs> I would have maced her for coming up to me in my truck. Like, <laughs> 
I would have loved to see that. Clarice is with Crawford on their way to examine the latest victim found in a river. The water doesn't allow for evidence, but the first victim was found third because she was the only one weighed down by stones. They look at a map of the killings and see that there's no obvious pattern. Clarice takes a guess that the killer is a white male and is in his 30s or 40s. She then asks Crawford if he's reviewed Lecter's offer and he just says they're thinking about it. Just kind of giving her like the yeah, 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 don't yeah. worry about it. They show up at the morgue and there are cops all over making weird eye contact with Clarice like she's a fucking alien. She gets a flashback of her own dad's funeral and tells the cops they have to go. They continue to look at her disgusted but eventually leave. They enter the room with the body and place ointment on their noses to avoid the smell. They examine the body and after they take some photos of the mouth, Clarice says there's something lodged in her throat just from looking at her tongue. This whole part is so weird. Like the funeral part, I was like, what, what is going, what is happening? Why is she having this traumatic flashback? Is she dealing with big trauma right now? I'm so confused, <laughs> Clarice. I didn't get it until I watched it again last night. I was like, who's this little girl? <laughs> I could have done without the flashbacks here at childhood. I feel like she talks about it enough with Hannibal that we get it. Listen, listen, I didn't need the flashback. And also I was questioning this mortician who didn't notice the bug in her throat, whereas the student did. And I'm just like, so you're a seasoned professional. You don't need this stuff so you can smell it anymore. Right. But you don't see a giant bug in somebody's fucking throat. Oh, she does it so fast. She's like, oh, there's something here. And the second right? she looks at the body, she's like, oh, there it is. Found it. Oh my God. This movie has taught me to be concerned about my taxpayer dollars. I don't think it's supporting what I thought it was supporting. <laughs> I think this was the equivalent to going to the doctor. You know, when they say you have to go get checked up every year. They just weigh you. They check your ears. And then they're like, you're good? All right, cool. Well, get the fuck out of my office. They don't actually check you for things that could matter. Please. You know, the stuff that's inside. The weird insect yeah. larva in your throat. Like, <laughs> Nobody weird. noticed that. He's like, it's just mud and leaves. It's cool. <laughs> Let me take your cat to the vet. And it's like, uh, probably allergies. It's like, I <laughs> need you to be more specific. <laughs> They pull a cocoon out of her throat and say that it had been done on purpose. Did you guys know that this was made out of a bunch of Tootsie Rolls and gummy bears squished together? Ugh. Are you serious? I did not know that. They flip the body over and find diamond-shaped patches of skin missing. Again, they don't notice a lot. <laughs> what was the mortician doing? Right, and I never, so that never clicked with me for some reason. Later on, when she finds the dress with the diamonds cut out, I was like, yeah. She realized it's a sewing pattern. Look at me, making connections. <laughs> <laughs> and I failed that whole costume thing um, <laughs> fabulously but I don't remember the diamond pattern shapes but I'm gonna let it happen I feel like that was a very late 80s like mob look who did they consult about finding out how to nicely dice some skin and it has to how be to in sew these, like, human skin together yeah right it's a very specific skill set <laughs> I mean Hannibal knows him so maybe Hannibal was like this is how you do it because I know how to take, I know how to skin a human because he eats them all the time. Look, I didn't True. kill him, but I gave him ideas. <laughs> right. And at one point, Hannibal wears that dude's face. So like, it's the best defense. Like I've seen so many like white men get away with that defense. It's like I didn't touch anybody, but I yelled at them and I abused them in other ways. I'm fine. <laughs> Nice. I think it's more sad that we're laughing about it because <laughs> we have to laugh through the pain. You <laughs> <laughs> have to. Clarice then takes this evidence of the cocoon to her friends at a museum who are playing chess with bugs. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> they find out that this is a dead head's moth that is not native to the U.S. at all. It's only found in Asia. So they say that whoever had this had to raise it, loved it, and grew it here in the United States. We then cut to Buffalo Bill's place where we see it is covered in bugs. Catherine from earlier is screaming for help while the man is just sewing together what looks like human flesh. That girl must, they must have given her many a throat lozenge 
for this film because she screams ninety five percent of every scene she's in. All her lines are screaming. Same with the dog. They gave the dog a lot. Since she- I just want to go on record and say that the actor who plays Catherine, I mostly know her from Grey's Anatomy as that doctor that they had come in nobody liked, and oh. then she was all of a sudden a lesbian, and then she was gone. Huh. <laughs> That's funny. I also love that she like gets the dog down there with her. This is later on, of course, but then at the end of the movie, she's like, they try to get the dog. She's like, no. Mine. <laughs> We're trauma My emotional part. support. We're trauma partners trauma now. Bond. We're trauma bonded. Trauma <laughs> Yeah. No, but I, I only know Brooke Smith from this and that Grey's Anatomy. Like the last time I remember seeing her, she was talking to Callie after they just had sex. She's like, I've never done this before. I didn't know I was even into women. Oh my God, this is magical. And then she was gone. Well, she probably lost her voice because it finally caught up to her. <laughs> I heard that she plays a cop in Bates Motel. Oh, oh, I have not seen Bates Motel. I haven't finished it. I need to finish it. Because you think she'd be a horror icon in like a lot of stuff, but I haven't seen her. No, she comes as she goes. She's right. just like, I'm going to do this. Oh, they got rid of me. I'm going back to the genre. <laughs> <laughs> if they called me fat for an entire freaking movie, I think she, I'd also be like, no. She's not fat. She's not, not fat. No. No, I was a chubby kid and I'm in a fat young woman and she's not fat. I'm going to say it. <laughs> Bullshit. 14's not fat. There's no way. They talk about women in this. They were roomy. They found every adjective possible to describe every insult possible. Even the way Jody said she was a big girl had layers. I'm like Jody. That yeah, she was a big girl. (laughs) That big, large, massive, mountainous. (laughs) Calm down. (laughs) Large Marge. Is that who you're looking for? (laughs) When she comes to the door, Buffalo Bill's like, "Yeah, wouldn't she? What? What? He calls her like a a great big fat person. (laughs) Yeah, like Jody's like she was a large girl. Yes." Clarice was like, it's him. It's him. <laughs> no, you can't be fat phobic and a murderer. You gotta pick or choose. <laughs> Clarice notices the news that shows the woman is named Catherine and is related to Senator Martin from Memphis. Senator Martin goes on and repeats her name, showing baby pictures of her. Clarice says that this is smart so that he no longer sees her as an object. Clarice goes back to Lecter and makes him an offer. She says, if he helps, they'll take him to Plum Island one week out of the year where he can do whatever he wants under SWAT supervision, of course. Lecter agrees but wants information on Clarice's past in return. He asks her to start to tell him about the death of her father. She says her father was everything. She was 10 when he died. She asks about the cocoon. This is when they kind of go back and forth quickly. He says Billy wants to change. Clarice says no. Transsexuals are historically passive, but Lecter says she's so close. He asks what happened after her father dies and talks shit about her shoes again for some reason. (laughs) She says, throw that in with your trauma. And no shoes. And no <laughs> right. shoes. I would stop wearing those shoes to go see it. <laughs> right? Just go barefoot, girl. I hear your dad died, but your shoes are taking focus. Can you not? Go back to pay less, okay? This is your only pair? <laughs> Have you heard of a Target? <laughs> he was the original, what are those, though? <laughs> right. What's going on here, honey? What's going on? Again, Willem Grace. This is... <laughs> <laughs> and later on when he's talking to the senator and he's like love the suit <laughs> <laughs> oh man Hannibal's character he's so, so great I love him he's creepy but I love him uh, he's such a good character the best characters are creepy. Um, yeah, no, I love him. He's the reason. <laughs> she says she lived with her aunt on a ranch but ran away. He then says Billy is not a transsexual, but he tries to be. He was probably rejected several times when he tried to get a sex change and is a victim of systematic abuse. This makes him question his identity. While they have this conversation, Chilton has been listening the whole time. This conversation about trans identities did not age well. Because just because you haven't had surgery does not mean you're not trans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like Hannibal is actually like a little closer to being ex- accurate than jody because he's saying like no 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 just because he's trans he's not a villain
villain. Yeah. He doesn't even really identify as trans, saying, you're misgendering here, ma'am. <laughs> and right. she doesn't get it. Because her cheap shoes are hurting her feet and she's not, <laughs> she's not thinking right. <laughs> Again, it's not like totally accurate, but it's like the 90s, it's the it's best we can do, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins was like, I'm going to be less offensive than the rest of you. Because <laughs> I'm an actor. Right. Yeah, this was all improv. I have studied. Okay? <laughs> He's like, I will not be as canceled um, 20 right. years from now. I will say, I think this is very indicative of like how much change has happened since 91. I mean, it's been, what, 30 years? And like, if I hear someone today say transvestite, I'm like... Yeah, even hearing that was weird in this. Was right. Like, oh, like, why are they saying right? it like that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you live under a rock? <laughs> We're back at Billy's house and Catherine is in a pit. Billy tells her to put on lotion, but keeps talking to her like she's an object. She cries and sees the blood in the nails from the women that were there earlier. I think earlier Clarice pointed out that the woman who came out of the water's nails were missing. So this is what Catherine is looking at. Billy mocks her and screams back at her and is pissed because she's not listening. And he's struggling to continue to call her an object. As she screams, he screams with her, but also kind of looks like he's sort of in pain and struggling with what he's doing. Yeah, I think it's a very iconic line when he's like it puts the lotion on the skin like it yeah mm-hmm. yeah but again we don't spend enough time with him or or like there's not enough intention put on the writing of that character for me to really understand like is he feeling remorse or is he struggling like i, I just don't get that character at all I feel like the 80s and the 90s specifically had that issue because it's sort of the same thing as when we watched The Exorcist in which they thought we wanted to know about the priest's journey and the priest's home life. I don't give a shit. I didn't I give a shit. I want to know about the possessed girl and her family because her mother and her are having a moment. She's I'm doing right. some crazy shit. I don't give a shit about that. She is <laughs> levitating and she is with the demon. Let's follow her. And I feel like this is sort of the same thing in that they're like, we, we're giving you Hannibal and we're going to give you all this FBI training and bullshit and red tape. I don't care what the FBI does. They're not doing it well if they're turning to criminals for help i want to know what the, i want to know what the person who is abducting women is doing and so he gets sort of like the short straw because he has like what three scenes yeah <laughs> yeah and he has lines that's why we forget about him right he, he gets a couple scenes mostly offensive scenes and then it's like oh we're supposed to know something from that and it's like no i would much rather know what is going on here that makes him a villain because right now you're saying he's the villain mm-hmm. and you're saying he's a white man and i assume he's a white man too but we're not getting into the like why is he doing this how how often has he been doing it? Like, right. we don't even know how many victims he has. We know he has he has to have three. Five, right? Because I think at the beginning there's that news clipping that says oh, yeah. he scans oh, his fifth victim. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't even hear about two of them, to your right? point. Right. And how am I supposed to fear somebody? I don't know. For sure. Yeah. If you're gonna do a serial killer thriller, you have to know the victims to like get the tension. Even if it's FBI trying to find them. I mean, like law and order, they don't skip over like the third and fourth victims. <laughs> you're gonna know all of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you build that tension because you're seeing the killer do the things and you're seeing like the FBI just miss him or you're seeing the FBI completely miss <laughs> and the killer's like I'm smarter than you bitches right. like I don't even know what he did for a living was he a cop was he not a cop was he a seamstress? was he a fisherman did he kill the old right. lady that lived there in the first place like that was my question at the end yeah. as well and was in that bathtub was he a construction worker because his basement went on forever I think when we find out who he actually is it almost seems like they should have figured it out sooner right like well, yeah. there's so many things that happened that should have been more obvious to everybody not even the cops but just people involved like that old lady if he did kill her someone would have asked he can't just take over the bills at this house right and was he close to the first victim and also why did she have naked pictures of herself stuffed in a box? why didn't clarice put back her nudes that's the least you could do for the dead <laughs> 
Just let them out for daddy to buy them later. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, how embarrassing. (laughs) And they were awkward dudes. They weren't like, I'm doing this to be sexy. They were like, I feel ashamed. And I'm like, oh, why are you? Don't. don't, Maybe just don't. (laughs) Yeah, I felt Did not get that. I didn't get the reveal of her character when they go through her stuff and the pattern of the skin is on the back of her dress. Clarice immediately figures out, oh, he's making a skin suit. But like, why would it be in her stuff? Listen. So I think it's because she sees the same pattern that was seen on the victim and then Hannibal has told her it's what he covets it's what he sees so if he sees yeah, if he sees this woman being a seamstress and like wants that, he's gonna mimic the kind of things that she's doing. But is he in the room with her when she's doing it? <laughs> That's a <laughs> That's question I have. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Like, why would he immediately know what pattern exactly? Is he like the he son of the old lady who like has lived in his mama's house his whole life and then like snaps? Because like at one point Clarice goes to the coffee shop and meets with first victim's friend to find out, oh yeah, we worked together as a seamstress for Mrs. And that's how she finds the house. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Concerns. It's very blurred, yeah. <laughs> Concerns. All we're saying is they could have done Buffalo Bill a little better. <laughs> you just gotta pick a side. Like, are we going to spend a lot more time with Hannibal, or are we going to, like, tell me the story of Buffalo Bill? Can't have both. Yeah. Again, yeah. when you adapt a novel, you gotta make some choices. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, totally. Because unless you're gonna do a three-hour movie, which, God. We're gonna take this character from your movie that sucked, but we're gonna make him a side character. But make people love him by making him a side character. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. Lecter is wrapped up by Chilton and his men and says he struck his own deal with Senator Martin. While Chilton gloats, Lecter steals a pen from the table. He's transferred to Memphis where he meets Senator Martin. He tells everyone the killer's name is Louis Friend. In 1980, Raspel and Friend were lovers, but Raspel was afraid of Friend who killed the transient and did things to her skin. He then goes on to make comments about Senator Martin's nipples and breastfeeding Catherine. While everyone's disgusted, he tells them a full description of the killer and Martin tells him to send him back to Baltimore. <laughs> He's like, here's all this stuff. All also, your nipples are hard, aren't they? But also, here's what the guy looks like. He's such a shady bitch. I love it. I love it. As much in this film as women's bodies are talked about, I'm, I'm good. We got, I can smell your cunt. Uh, your nipples are hard from breastfeeding. Put the lotion on the body. I'm just like, what size are you? Like, <laughs> to be fair, though, it, they talk about women's bodies, but it's not in like an overtly male gazy way. That's true. It, you don't leave this going sexy time. No. You leave this going, Ugh. Exactly. No, exactly. Clarice, take a shower. Miss Mayor, put another shirt on. Clarice, change your shoes, you smelly cute ass. <laughs> you smelly kind cheap shoe wearing bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you go after that? I would just, I would retire. I'd be like, you know what? I got insulted a lot in this hallway. <laughs> Listen, that read would have won RuPaul's Drag Race, the li- the, re- the reading challenge. <laughs> that library was wide open. That library. You cheap shoes wearing smelly cut. Right. The tag team. The tag team of it all. Because, like, I can smell your cut. You got cheap shoes, you bitch. <laughs> what did she do to anybody in this prison? This is like her first day. <laughs> This poor student just walked in the damn room and they're like, library's open, let's go, welcome. <laughs> Trial by fire. <laughs> I think it was somebody talking about her hair. To be like, you ch- <laughs> <laughs> The hair in this movie. Your split ends, Clarice. Your split ends. <laughs> Your box dye redheaded. Like- <laughs> it's like a PSA on bully. Like she went to cry in a bathroom stall somewhere like in high school. <laughs> they just haze every new agent that walks into this. <laughs> right? You think you FBI? You think you better than me? <laughs> But the hair in this movie is not great as well. I don't know what they do to Jodie Foster's hair. I hate it. It felt like a personal attack. Like somebody didn't like her. 
They're really mad at her. How boring can we make the, the way this woman looks? Like straight hair, shoulder length, no like barely any makeup. I don't remember any of her costumes because like they were all like man. they were brown. They were all, they were all brown. brown suits. <laughs> and then like a good brown because there were some browns. I was like, oh yeah, this is cute. And they were like, we found this in the thrift store and thought of you. <laughs> Damn, that's what they said about Lecter's suit at the end. His suit at the end, as stylish oh. as he is, was the oh, ugliest yeah. suit. Was he in a wig or was that just me? Yeah. That wig. <laughs> was like the worst wig Sheree why did that wig not make your Jazz's list of worst horror wigs we have to do a second list because of that wig like we talked about it as stylish as he is it was not on par with Hannibal no No, you can't have Hannibal read a bitch and put that wig on it don't matter it don't matter it's like your shoes are cheap your purse is expensive here's my cheap wig what is that (laughs) (laughs) this party store wig (laughs) to borrow another roof (laughs) with a hat he put a hat on it like it's gonna make it better <laughs> yeah they really misread him in that last scene right hats do not help wigs y'all if your wig ain't matching your wig ain't right your hat's not gonna help just no. take it off he like a stone hamburglar and i was like what the fuck <laughs> are we doing <laughs> but we have children like relishing in the media coverage of this story saying he's the one who's gonna break the case and get Catherine back and that clarice and crawford are actually gonna be booted off the case for all the mistakes they made with lecter however clarice takes this moment to kind of sneak in to see lecter one last time who is being held in the middle of i can only guess it's like a hotel ballroom it's what it looks like it's like a government building like a museum yeah yeah it's not clear she gives him his drawings back and lecter immediately brings up about how she presented this fake offer to him she's trying to make the most of this conversation because she snuck in there and before they realize what's going on she wants to know more about buffalo bill however he keeps asking her about the worst experience of her childhood and why she left that ranch this is where we find out about the title of the movie she explains that one night she heard screaming coming from the barn and it was the lambs who were being slaughtered she tried to let them out but they just stood there screaming she grabbed one and tried to run away but didn't make it that far before she was spotted by the sheriff the farmer was so mad that they sent her to an orphanage immediately and they still ended up killing the lambs (laughs) whoa (laughs) it's not funny (laughs) it's not funny but it's kind of funny Lecter says that she's probably hoping that closing this case will make the lambs stop screaming because she's still having nightmares about it. But before she can get any information out of Lecter, Shilton arrives with the rest of the police force and drags her away. Not before Lecter then gives her back her case file and does this creepy kind of like finger touch thing with her. You know what? Instead of that weird flashback scene, I wish we would have had a dream sequence with her dreaming about the screaming of the lambs. Like that would have been more interesting than that weird funeral scene. If we've got to have one, if we've got to have something, I'd rather have that. I'm not going to lie. The lamb story felt like, oh shit, we forgot to justify the title. The way it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And maybe in the book it has a better like in and outro, but like here it was like, oh shit, we got to talk about the lambs. Oh, um. We forgot. Get the file folder out. <laughs> and it's like, why? Don't. It felt very much like talking about the lambs, Carice. Don't forget the lambs. Oh yeah, lambs. It's like um, the improv so... scene where you're like, oh shit, we missed this. We got to go back. Um, <laughs> yes, Sheree, yeah. the lambs? <laughs> lambs. Yes, they're not just lamb chops, but when I was a small child, they on were the ranch, screaming. Yeah, and I need to silence them so I can silence the lambs. Okay. <laughs> we have a movie. <laughs> right? It's like playing bags in a refrigerator. It's just like <laughs> stream of consciousness. Just <laughs> nightgowns, right. Halloween, globe, go. Um. <laughs> 
Honestly, they did that with this whole movie. It felt very much like that. Like, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong. It deserves some of the Oscars for the moment. Um, I, I don't know if I would fulfill that. The acting is yeah. pretty great. The acting is good. And, like, most of my issues with the movie are, like, things that were, like, technical things that had to be that way because of the 90s didn't have all the stuff we have now. Like, we're spoiled bitches. Going back to these movies, I'm just like, why is it so choppy? And, like, we had two cameras, bitch. Shut up. (laughs) Enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) One thing to note from that conversation with Lecter is he also says, let me know when the lambs stop screaming. You see Catherine as one of the screaming lambs. Uh Oh, yeah, because she did. That's why she's screaming the whole damn time. Look at you. <laughs> right. Look at you. <laughs> Putting it together. <laughs> Let's talk about the best scene in this fucking movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> fucking love it. This movie needed way more horror. Like you said, Trent, with the flashback to the lambs, like they could have even thrown in the slaughter and Clarice that watching made as a creepy. kid. Livestock is terrifying. Instead of that 10-minute running scene opening the movie, we could have had like a weird like black and then you just hear screaming and like she wakes up and then like yeah that would have been great or she's a lamb (laughs) that's another movie we get two police that walk in and say that hannibal's basically an asshole for asking for a second dinner he asked for some extra rare lambs however hannibal is just not bothered by this he's enjoying his music and asks them to hold on a minute because he's really into this song i love the hand waves yeah the hand wave is very elegant there's some white privilege right there they'll be like hold on a minute i gotta finish this song before i eat i know i'm a prisoner but like (laughs) but i also demanded (laughs) a second dinner he is 100 percent that bitch it's like they treat him so respectfully like i don't get that but what do you do with a cannibal like i think about that because like i mean i'm not a security guard but look if i was given a cannibal (laughs) i'm not work for whatever reason touch it i would have called out Vivi, you made a good point while we were watching it. Why wouldn't they have traveled with him asleep, sedated? If he's that dangerous, yes. Or have more security guards, because you got two fools in the whole building. Two idiots. Right. He eats them, and then it's like, oh no, he's out. Of course he's out. You gave him two people to eat. That's <laughs> an appetizer. These are cops who say they know everything, they wrote the file. They don't know about the eating liver with fava beans. Right. <laughs> eating the nurse's <laughs> face off. Yeah. Exactly. But they instruct him to sit down and put his hands around the bar so they can cuff him. Obviously don't know that he stole a pen earlier from his awful therapist he's able to break free and immediately cuffs one of the cops to the bars as well he eats the nose of the other cop and starts smashing his head into the bars he does this so effortlessly too it's like he's not even trying he does it to the rhythm of the music too he's very elegant in his beating <laughs> and he must i mean he must be on like super drive because like he has to do a lot of work within like what five minutes of screen time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. listen which is why we remember him and that buffalo bill exactly he reads these cops like a book though because he orchestrates we said it quickly how he beats them but like he's like mind the drawings and they put the food on the floor right in front of him right by his face yeah. you think he's gonna yeah. eat at their face right there but no he waits a second they move the drawings roll them up he's very calm sitting next to the bars they go back to grab the food and that's when he attacks it's just like dude read the room you got a cannibal <laughs> like a foot away right <laughs> Right. <laughs> you have an actual cannibal in your presence and you are not acting that way. <laughs> you are just like, oh, it's your random like podunk. Like a joke Every blow. day. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's a criminal. Oh, he also uses the mace from one of them after having bit his face off. Maces him on the So painful. On the face. <laughs> that was the rudest shit. It's like, I ate your nose, but also I don't want you to see things anymore. <laughs> That's like grabbing alcohol and just pouring your Throwing lime it. juice. And just Hand sanitizer. <laughs> what would mace do to an open wound? Oh my God. Right? It's like you ate his face. Leave him in peace. And he's like, no, I want to make sure. 
<laughs> I'm winning. He said, he not in my movie. <laughs> right? Double tap. <laughs> and he really doesn't leave him in peace because he then grabs a carving knife from the other cop and begins to go to work. Now, you as the audience think he's just going to kill him with this knife. But downstairs, the cops are starting to notice that something weird is going on. They've heard shots fired. They're all staring at the elevator and not doing anything. <laughs> they all just keep screaming about how the elevator is going up and down. Okay, sure. <laughs> Taxpaying dollars. Right, Again. Right, <laughs> yes. right. Listen. But when they finally enter the ballroom, weird hotel room, they find Boyle strung up in this weirdly butterfly-like pose with his guts spewing out of him. Now, yep. they notice that Pembry, the other officer, is still breathing, and they immediately call for an ambulance. He jigsaws them. Oh, <laughs> he does. He pulls a he saw pulls, move. Yep, yeah, yep. Hides in plain sight. You know, I saw it coming because I didn't know what happened here, and I was like, dude, he's the one on the floor. Because how would too he obvious. get yeah. out? Yeah. But he, he skinned that man's face off real quick. Like, it was like, whoop, whoop, he's that practice. Real precise. He's a pro. <laughs> is that the first time taking a pair of knife to a person? Like, <laughs> terrible. Pembry is rushed out into an elevator and they immediately notice that there is blood leaking from the roof of it. They just rush Pembry out of there to get him to safety and begin this whole open the elevator, see who's up there. They find a man dressed all in white on the top of the elevator, shoot his leg, and find find he's unresponsive. They send one of the black cops to open the elevator hatchet because they're not going to risk their own lives and this man just flops downward. Cut back to the ambulance where Hannibal has ripped off Pembry's face and attacks the EMT. I wanted to comment on Hannibal being put in the ambulance. They go through this full procedure like I'm not a medical person but they connect him to all these machines. He starts convulsing. They put oxygen on his face. Like they do a lot of things that I don't know the logistics here but if you're alive and fine person wouldn't this be damaging like what if they started just doing like clear <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what it's called what's that called the uh, defibrillation defibrillator yeah defibrillator yes. yeah yes i'm just thinking uh scream four when they right? yeah <laughs> Well, you know, fuck with the original. <laughs> <laughs> so we get Map getting the call, notifying her of what happened with Hannibal. Again, I feel like they use her to just kind of inform Clarice of stuff. And in this next scene, she's actually helping her go through the case file and is the one that kind of tells her. She's the one that like dimes on her. Oh, it's someone that he knows. He knows the first victim. The movie then says, okay, cool. We've done pretty much everything we can with Hannibal Lecter. Let's do a quick U-turn and then just throw the Let's last finish 30 off this minutes Buffalo about- Bill nonsense I will say that this scene though with Hannibal was the one where I was like oh my god he's crazy and like the most thrilling part of this movie yes yeah no I I was like yes this is what we came here for yeah and then it was like oh but there's still more movie to go I'm like what else do we have to do oh yeah I thought we were done serial killer (laughs) yeah we haven't saved this girl in a while and this poor puppy dog I forgot about her I forgot about her so many times she's still screaming (laughs) Sheree we didn't save her she'd still be screaming today we meet her she's singing along to American Girl like it's a bop <laughs> she's going hard yeah. oh yeah oh <laughs> 91 y'all 91 and I'm just like what was she going through where this is the song she reached for because I mean like even if you're a Tom Petty fan there are other songs to be had <laughs> hey to be fair in the 90s you only had cassettes and CDs the radio wasn't playing what you wanted to hear that's so true you had what you could get because she was like this is my anthem and I was like oh okay I that's a choice <laughs> <laughs> the radio is playing Ace of Base or something. <laughs> Listen, I would have saw the sign. Like, <laughs> <laughs> 
It just wasn't her vibe. It wasn't. This was it, though. Make it last all night. <laughs> Going back just for a second for a funny moment, I did like when she got kidnapped and the van rolls away. The cat's just still sitting in the window like, bye. Like, <laughs> I guess you're not coming back. <laughs> That's cat energy. It's like, I see you just got kidnapped, but who's going to give me my treats? Right. Like, I can fall out right now and Louise would be like, who's feeding me dinner? <laughs> guess I'm going to eat you. <laughs> right? I'm like, Louise, it's just a nap. But she's like, I didn't know. How about <laughs> we kind of touched on it but yeah she ends up at mrs bimmel's she finds like we said the music box with the immediately I, I like knows. How she knows to check the back of the music box for the nudes that's what is that where you keep your 90s? nudes that's where i keep mine is that not where you keep my, my new polaroids i can't because vivi hates music boxes <laughs> i do it's a surefire way to get haunted <laughs> But yes, the sad ballerina with a leg up. Haunted. <laughs> she ends up going to the room and finds a dress in the wardrobe that has the patterns on the back, like the body we saw earlier that was recovered from the river. She immediately calls Crawford and says, he's taking the woman's skin and making a suit. Crawford says that they already know and that they're already flying on their way to Calumet City. And yeah. I think she's in Ohio, right? Yes. Yeah. So she's like, it's cool, it's cool. I'll drive there. I'll meet you there. No, it's not cool. That's like five hour drive. Yeah, she's like, it's 400 miles. I'll be there soon. He's like, no, we're already here. Like, I don't... <laughs> she stayed doing the most. She was like, let me roll under this like door to get into this storage unit. Let me drive 600 miles. Let me go interrogate people on my own with no weapons. And I'm like, why do you have a death wish, Jody? Right. Is Clarice <laughs> going to get an A plus because of this? Or She you know? graduates top of her class. <laughs> there has to be better ways of getting extra credit <laughs> than putting your life on the line. But I will say, I do love that he like so easily brushes her off. Oh, we no, we don't. We figured it out. You're good. Thank you. You've done a lot. Bye. But but really, they didn't have anything, and she was the one on the right path the whole time. At this point, we see the inside of Buffalo Bill's actual place. We hear Catherine continue to scream. The dog is barking, and Catherine is trying to get the dog to come to the pit. She uses a bucket and puts like a bone. While she's doing this, Buffalo Bill or Jame, I guess who we now know, right? Do we know his name yet? It's Gordon. I don't remember his first name. It was James Gum. No, that was the fake. Oh, was it? I don't know. They changed yeah. his name so much in this. Yeah. That- yeah. They don't even give him a real name <laughs> that's how much they didn't care about him this is when we get the scene of him doing his own makeup and he's telling himself like would you fuck me i'd fuck me and then he does that dance where he tucks the cops are showing up around this house and it's kind of happening simultaneously clarice is also headed to a house goes to ring the bell they send this officer dresses like a delivery guy to ring the bell as well and when they ring the bell the door opens because buffalo bill's like all right all right i'm going he's got this like bell that rings downstairs that lets him know there's someone at the door he opens the door and it's clarice meanwhile in the other house they fucking crash through the they crash through all the windows i just so love ridiculous. how crawford's like clarice <laughs> like yeah she figured it out <laughs> and i will say the editing of that scene is is actually really it's choppy it's choppy like the rest of them but the way that it, it 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 chops back to the guy with the flowers back to buffalo but you think they're at that house until buffalo bill opens the door and it's clarice and you're like oh shit Fuck. <laughs> even as a kid i've seen this done too many times I'm like no they're at the different houses uh, <laughs> I, I was always a ruiner as we know <laughs> i'm like this is the end of this movie fuck you i know the six senses oh, my God. <laughs> oh I, it got me because i was like okay this is good and then oh shit damn she fucked up yeah get out girl abort abort <laughs> I had never fallen for it. Even as a kid, I was like, more Hannibal, less this. 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, true. Even though this is like the closing of this film, you're kind of just like, okay, get on with it. Right. It feels like, all right, cool. Come on, get it along. Because also, we don't see Buffalo Bill ever being menacing. So I'm never, I'm never really afraid for Clarice. I mean, in the in that first, like, oh god, she's there by herself. But other than that, he's never menacing. You never see him kill anyone. You see him beat the girl up, but that's that's the only amount of violence you see from Buffalo Bill. If you don't help randos with their furniture into vans, you're safe. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Cosine. <laughs> But as Clarice is interacting with who we find out is Gordon, she's just kind of talking to him, asking for information on the previous owners of the house when she notices one of the death head moths fly across the room. And in that moment, she realizes she's in deep shit. She tries to act like everything's normal. Gordon's asking a lot about this case, saying why they don't have leads. Why don't they know anything? And Clarice is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Can I use your phone? Are they close to finding a killer? (laughs) Yeah. He's way too interested to not be involved. Absolutely. (laughs) Because if someone showed up at my house and it was the cops, for one, I'd be scared because I'm brown. But <laughs> Same! I didn't do anything! <laughs> but I'd be like, all right, just take whatever you want. Just go, please. I don't want anything to do with this. This guy's like, so, huh? So how's it funny? going? You know, what did you have for lunch yeah. today? <laughs> yeah. What's she, in. big fat lady? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sir, we're talking about a woman, not Clifford. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> the big fat red dog. But once Clarice realizes that she is standing there with the actual killer, he sort of laughs maniacally and runs downstairs. And Clarice decides to chase after him. This was the perfect, like, Batman anime series a moment of like (laughs) (laughs) yeah he dodges the stove almost like he's dancing right he's waving it was big joker energy because she was like coming with her gun like clarice i know you graduate next week you should have put your gun and she's like oh no (laughs) i got too much coat i can't find it in the coat (laughs) and i'm like clarice <laughs> and then she's like i'm gonna go downstairs like why what's down there for you should have called for backup right she loses her, her composure so fast immediately uh, and then she hears cat the girl screaming and i'm like and she's like get me out of here and i'm like listen <laughs> bitch i got something to handle before i get you get you out of there like calm down <laughs> she said bitch don't leave me get me out of here when clarice is literally like listen to me i'm gonna go i'll be right back for you i was like no listen to yourself listen to me i'm gonna leave you here why did you say listen to me you might have just left my okay, ass because so no. you're not calming me in that moment you're not saving me. in that moment i think she's trying to lure bill into that room by because she never leaves that room she's never like hey i'm leaving now but the bitch will never be quiet to like hide <laughs> i was triggered when she said shut that dog up like dude it's not that easy right yeah, <laughs> truly, truly. I'm, like, I'm trying <laughs> You want to like punch a dog real quick? What kind of movie is this? You Dijins? I know we skin some people, but we draw the line. Right? You leave Precious alone. Then we go to all the questions I have. Like, who was that in the bathtub? What is that that she saw in the bathtub? It was you who said uh, it might be Miss Moffat? No, the original owner of the house that they keep talking about. Oh. It's never explored. This basement goes on forever, so there can be so many more dead people. <laughs> There's so many rooms. Right? It's the whole of the house. <laughs> I'm just like, this basement never ends. It's like the skywalks <laughs> Minneapolis. What did you pay for this house? There's so much room. <laughs> right? Because up top, it's so tiny. It's like your living room, your entry, and your kitchen. And then downstairs, it's like the TARDIS. It's bigger. 
bigger on the inside. And I'm like, bitches. Nobody else in the city gets a basement. Nobody else. There's so much room that you have rooms of just darkness just because. <laughs> like, it reminded me of like from Desto Dawn where at the end they like pull out and you see the back of the like club and it goes off forever and it's like three and shit. And I'm just like, uh, <laughs> how did we not know that was there the whole time? <laughs> But eventually, Gordon slash Buffalo Bill gets the upper hand and shuts down all the lights in the basement. He's wearing this kind of night vision goggles setup that should have immediately helped him kill Clarice, but doesn't. He kind of hesitates and lingers. He almost wants to strangle her. But when he finally decides to shoot her, he cocks his gun. That lets Clarice know he's right behind me and she just shoots him multiple times. And there were so many times that his hand is like right here. I'm like, how do you not feel that? How do you not know that there's a hand right by your face? Because she hadn't graduated. She would learn that the last week of training. You don't get the common sense course till you graduate. Well, there was that training right. scene where she like, oh, you're dead because you didn't check her quarters. And I'm like, she ain't checking her quarters, I guess. She can't see her quarters because like, this is the dark room. Like, <laughs> this is the dark room in the basement. I like how they added this weird techie vibe to him, too, where he's got these night vision goggles. They're like, how do we make him iconic? We give him something weird. Oh, goggles. He can More see at night. Weird. They show him outside of the goggles. And you can clearly see him. Like, there's enough light. <laughs> And I'm like, Clarice, girl. Girl, maybe you... She would have been dead. <laughs> right. In if, real life, she would not have made if it. If this had been Hannibal Lecter, he would have killed her. He'd have been like, you disappoint me, man. Right? <laughs> he he would have eaten her face from nine different angles. <laughs> and she'd be like, oh, no, what happened? <laughs> I didn't check my angles. <laughs> right. I forgot the corner. No. <laughs> if she had learned from Hannibal, he'd have been like, I could smell his cunt. <laughs> Who smells like Avion? Right? (laughs) The next scene we get is the rescue team finally coming in and taking out Catherine. She is visibly traumatized and won't release Precious because that's her pet now. (laughs) Precious and her are trauma bonded. They're best friends. And that's the sequel. Her cat is not going to like this. (laughs) Oh, no. She's now a dog person. Clarice is being escorted out by Crawford, weirdly hugging her. And the press is trying to ask her questions. Crawford defends her again in this weird daddy boss relationship they got going on daddy boss Hashtag. Daddy boss. You thought girl boss was the hashtag, but it's really daddy it's boss. Daddy boss. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So. No, it's bad. <laughs> it's so wrong. We fast forward to Clarice's graduation where we assume she graduated the top of her class. They're having an after party where Map informs her that she has a call waiting for her. We have another awkward scene between her and Crawford that I'm just like not okay with. She could just go to the phone. Yeah, he says, your dad would be proud of you. Go get that phone call, though. I don't know why they zoom in on them shaking hands, too. Like, so much tension. It's, like, gross. I don't think they continue that storyline to the next movie, thank God. I hope not. And I know that, like, Jody wasn't out yet back then, but I think that I always assumed her character was not intimate. So, like, watching as an adult and seeing Crawford be into her, I'm like, I don't like Her and her friend are very close. (laughs) (laughs) They even have that moment where she's walking across the stage and she looks out in the audience and sees her. The graduation is, like... Clarice Starling for catching a cannibal lector, getting semen thrown at her face. <laughs> catching the, the killer. The best of the best. The killer. Right? Top of the class. Great hearing. She can hear triggers from a mile away. <laughs> best sperm toss. <laughs> Goes to. <laughs> but she has no heat feelings in her face. Most likely to go into a dark basement. <laughs> Worst shoes in the entire academy. <laughs> 
four shoes match with the best bag. Please. Most likely to tell a victim to shut the fuck up. <laughs> the FBI Academy doesn't even do an annual yearbook, but they started this year. Just because of Clarice. <laughs> right? Most gullible agent. Clarice Starling. <laughs> Most likely to fumble with a gun. <laughs> Again, it was caught up in all of her layers. And they were like, we don't know if it's cold in the Midwest. Just put layers on her. Like, Where's my gun? She could have been murdered 90 different times had he just not danced away. And he just stayed in there and like, father? He could have been over on the stove. Like, he could have just grabbed that and like, Bloop. Right? Oh my God. she was like, oh, stay right there. Don't move. And I was like, um, ma'am, you need to have your gun ready. And then she's like, when she finally got it out, she's like, let me get this coat off. I'm like, you should have done that first. Because the coat almost the coat killed you. The coat can stay in the car. I know it may be cold, <laughs> but like, we'll survive. We find out that the call is actually from Dr. Lecter, who tells Clarice, don't bother with the trace. I won't be on long enough. I've just called to ask if the lambs have stopped screaming. He's so rude. He's so rude. <laughs> Let me just bring up your trauma on your graduation day. Here you go. Let me ruin it. <laughs> right? In case you forgot. How your shoes doing? Yeah, what shoes you got on? Did <laughs> <laughs> so you yet? get rid of them? <laughs> right? Had the lamb stopped screaming and did you get my box of shoes, you payless bitch? <laughs> <laughs> I like to think of Hannibal Lecter having like a subscription box for shoes <laughs> just to send to Clarice right? it was really marketing he's like when I break out of here I'm gonna sell shoes and I need you to be one right. of my first customers and, th- and this is the 90s when Payless was like the thing and so he's on every Payless commercial he's like do you want good shoes or do you want to be eight <laughs> <laughs> don't ask what the leather's made of <laughs> right multiple colors <laughs> uh. <laughs> All shapes and sizes. Right? You need a chunky heel, Clarice. You need a chunky heel. <laughs> yeah, even if you're a big, fat, double human. <laughs> you need good shoes. Right? You need good shoes to compliment that good purse. Who gave you the purse? I know you can't afford it, you poor bitch. <laughs> Is the FBI not paying you? Right? I thought Hannibal Lecter went around to read me when I was in college because I would have been like, girl. I would have been crying. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't call her from a payless. Just like, which size? What's your size? size I'm not even hiding. This is a priority. (laughs) Right? There will be no return address, but I'm going to send you some shoes. (laughs) And that's my Hannibal to be like, your cheap shoes (laughs) put you beneath me. My wig's not right, but my shoes are tight. (laughs) (laughs) Priorities. Right. He closes out the call by saying he's having an old friend for dinner. We pan to where he is, and we realize he's looking at Dr. Chilton, who is, we assume, going into witness protection. He hangs up, Clarice panics, and tries to go for help. But the final scene we get is Hannibal following Chilton to wherever he is staying, wearing the worst wig and the worst outfit he can think of. He's doing a really cool walk, though. He's holding his hat. He's walking like that. Forever. If you watch the credits, he's still walking to this day. <laughs> he's trying to keep his wig secure. <laughs> I can't walk too fast. His yeah. wig's going to fall off. Right? If they really wanted Clarice to have a good, like, badass ending, they would have said she should have, in that phone, should have, how's your wig doing? <laughs> I know you ain't talking about my shoes. (laughs) At least my wig. Hold up, but instead she goes, Hannibal, Hannibal. It's like 30 times, Hannibal. He's definitely gone by that point. The the dial tone is going. The call has ended. The lamb screaming have been replaced by Hannibal reading her. That's what she hears. My new trauma. (laughs) She's like, had only I worn my heels. No. If only I had worn my edges. <laughs> I wanted a sensible shoe that day. Oh, no. But that is it. That is Silence of the Lambs. That is. They are silent now. They are silent now. <laughs> what is your guys' final thoughts on the film? 
this conversation has been really funny. But uh, I will say, I think that this film showed audiences that thrillers could be interesting with all of its issues, which we've discussed at nauseum. But like today, is it is it one of my favorites? No, but I don't hate it, and I it, I do give it some respect, and I do think that Jodie Foster and Anthony Hopkins have incredible performances in this. I'm sitting at like a B minus C plus, so like an eighty percent, like a four out of five. I'm at like a three and a half maybe, out of five. Or an I eight think. out of ten. Maybe four if I sleep on it again. Yeah. That would be like a seven point five. That's where I'm at because I think that there is some stuff that I, I get why it was like an Oscar winning like moment to watch, but also so much of it was never meant to age well because you have again it written written by like cis white people and so that's always inherently wrong. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> And so it was like, this is offensive. That's offensive. Is Cassie Lemons really only getting four <laughs> scenes in this bitch? And so, <laughs> and so I have questions and concerns, but like, I feel like Hannibal is such a fun character to where you want to like it more than you actually do. Like if you remove Hannibal Lecter, I would never rewatch this. Yeah. Oh, no. oh yeah. True. Totally true. I, it, same. I feel like, yeah. Like I said, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster's performances are like the highlight of this film for me. I forgot to say this, but actually when they double cross him, right, and Chilton is like throwing it in his face, I honestly felt bad for Hannibal because you see it in his face, it's kind of like, fuck, you know, and he has just that level of charm that makes you like him so much right. that you're like, oh man, what? Fuck Chilton. Like, no, <laughs> let Hannibal get what he wants. <laughs> and I also love that like Hannibal is not being played by like some hot right. young actor, which we are want to do now because we're all like, make David Tennant the serial killer, make Matt Smith the serial killer. And I'm like, what if the serial killer is not a hot person we was like right on what if it's a random joe blow let's do that and not like sort of like idealized serial killers because that's yeah and we end up with a lot of people specifically like young women thinking they can fix these men who are trash bags yeah i do like that too because i will never forgive people for thinking ted bundy's attractive and i like that this film doesn't do that and anthony hopkins is definitely big uncle energy like (laughs) b-u-e and so like we're not like i swipe right on him we're like i i might have been nice to him once or twice but i'm not gonna like get into his van so he can like bite my face off i might have <laughs> he's so charming i might so charming, yeah. <laughs> i'm worried for you you're too nice to be in chicago now. <laughs> like, really are. if the rock suddenly decided to start killing people i'd be like but it's the rock though <laughs> he would never no, oh my god but he has the best tagline already can you smell what the rock is cooking <laughs> oh, no. give us that movie give us that movie where is Dwayne the rock johnson i have a pitch <laughs> <laughs> what are your final thoughts yeah no i loved it i thought it was definitely not on horror level it's hard to rate it as a horror versus like a really good movie because the acting is great like you guys have said i think i would give it like a seven and a half it's definitely not horrifying though other than like a select few scenes which are very limited like we said because hannibal is very limited in the movie entirely he's the best part and we don't get enough of him we don't really care about this killer yeah i feel like you guys pretty much summed it up well i do have to appreciate how iconic this film was it has so many references in pop culture you can't escape it is it like super scary no the scariest parts are hannibal and i think this movie would age different now in this like true crime obsessed community i'm gonna give it a seven out of ten but yeah definitely jodie foster anthony hopkins best part don't give a shit about the rest (laughs) literally Literally. i think one thing that this movie missed is that what makes those like crime serial killer thrillers scary is that it could happen to anyone like scream could happen anywhere the strangers yes. fatal attraction like those could happen to anyone to anyone's family and like they didn't spend enough time making 
the killer scary. Yeah. Do you think this could have something to do with Jodie Foster saying, like, let's emphasize the role of the FBI in this? Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. It does look the blueprint for most of the procedural shows we have on the air now because there's like 90 different CSIs and 90 different law and orders. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, we only needed one of each, if that. Um, and it was just like the blueprint because, again, like the 80s and the 90s were so stuck on these people have jobs that we should admire. And so you're spending all this time with like these lawyers and these doctors and these priests as opposed to the actual subject, which is the person who's being haunted or being terrorized. And so like you don't feel fear for these people. Like The Exorcist, again, I watched it late in life, like last year, but we spent way too much time on these like preachers who are coming from the other countries and like with the family unit and the mother and I'm like, I don't care. And I feel bad I don't care, but I don't care. This girl's possessed. That's where the story is. Let's start there and shave some of this off. Because she's doing wild ass shit. That's she is. <laughs> <laughs> every time reagan was possessed i was like this is a movie and then you like go away for like 40 minute stretches oh my god they didn't know what to do back then because again they were like well we're coming off the 50s and 60s so like men and suits is what you want it's like no not really i'm here to get creeped out can you get to that <laughs> but my theory is that the person who adapted that particular novel fell into that trope of i don't know what to cut because i like this novel when uh, deep down you know what you want like if you picked up a book today and you're like i want to adapt this you know why you want to adapt it don't give us all this other bullshit like mm, i did not like the fear street trilogy because i grew up reading fear street <laughs> like that's part of our name that's part of the reason i was like yeah fear street yeah <laughs> and so like when you just slap fear street on something and you don't like give it the justice and give it what would draw you to it whatever it is whether it's something different what either why i'm there then it feels false because like i know fear street <laughs> i know there was always the shady boyfriends i know the cheerleaders were like bullshit and she was also cutting people i know these things and so when you're just like let's just do random monsters on this street <laughs> feels weird <laughs> <laughs> i agree i think that when people try to adapt because we see this in play form all the time when they try to adapt like a little women or a classic piece of literature that's super dense or whatever you need to figure out what is your core of the story and focus on that as opposed to because in a novel you can have two or three chapters about this side story and readers will go with you but in a movie in a play in a tv series you need to have a core something pushing you forward it's why so many stephen king adaptations fail because yeah. Stephen King will give you a chapter on the drapes. He just will. Yeah. And you'll go with it because you've been with Uncle Stephen for decades. But like in the real world, if you're going to adapt to Stephen King, you're not going to go in there and be like, I like the part about the drapes. You're going to yeah. be like, this family moved into the Overlook Hotel and shit got spicy. Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. They have to know what what is the heart of this film. The heart of Signs of the Lambs is Hannibal Lecter. The heart of The Exorcist is Linda Blair, Reagan, The Exorcism. Yeah. Do we want to talk about what's scary? Loki about this movie? Yeah. He was actually just sparking or intrigued by Precious and her being stuck in the pit. <laughs> he was like, I feel you, girl. I'm coming to you. Yeah. Well, him being sick right now, I'm sure he's just like, yeah, you get that bone. I can't eat bones right now. Was he sick before he saw Clarice's shoes? <laughs> huh. oh. Something to think about. <laughs> but do you want to tell us about it, Loki? Sounds good. We're sorry you had to see Clarissa's shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Poor baby. (laughs) I think that pretty much wraps it up for us here. Do you guys want to tell everyone where they can find you? Yes. You can check us out on Twitter at A Nightmare Fierce or Facebook and Instagram at A Nightmare on Fear Street because we're like sneaky that way. (laughs) We also have an all my links if you're like, I need more and I need everything. 
and that's just like onmylinks.com backslash a nightmare on fear street sounds good thanks so much for being on it was well overdue we've been on you guys' thirsty thursdays and we planned this out fast enough but we need to do another one i can't wait <laughs> yes 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 we loved it thank you so much i love when y'all come on because i'm just like we're getting friends and yes i get to learn a new drink what are you talking about <laughs> right listen the turnaround is real because we've been like halloween's coming you want to do something like yeah <laughs> give us a movie we got a drink and like oh my god yes <laughs> yeah thanks so much yeah as always we hope you guys had a good time here with us you can follow us pretty much anywhere at shaken not scared pod except twitter twitter is shaken scared pod you could send us an email at shaken not scared pod at gmail.com support the show on patreon you can get early access to episodes or a bonus episode and dream drink idea every month listen wherever you get your podcast give us a follow check out our drink videos go give them a like throw loki a treat his birthday is literally next week from when this comes out <laughs> be sure to like rate review all that good stuff and and okay, thanks. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>